The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. This is Cut To It with Steve Smith Sr., a production of The Black Effect and iHeartRadio. I'm Steve Smith Sr. And I'm Gerard Littlejohn. And this is Cut To It. Cut To It. We ask the questions you always want to know, but no one ever asks. Let's cut to it. You ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. It's on. Wait on us. Okay, shoot, they waiting on us then. Hey, that's a first. Smitty, 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 what's going on with you, man? Hey, how you doing? How was your weekend? It was pretty good. It wasn't as good as yours, but it was pretty good. You went up to the mountains with the wifey. Did have a little, 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 little boo time. A little boo, little R&R? Boo time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kid-free, that's the, that's the most important thing Let me right tell there. you what, a kid-free R&R makes another kid on the way come. Uh, that ain't happening. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't that ain't happening, my G. How was your weekend? What'd you get into? Heard, you, was, had a, heard you had a golf trip. Yeah, went down. You know, I... I just trying to, with everything going on, I'm still a little nervous. Hop on the airplane. Yeah. Uh, yeah just I'll be that. honest. You know, call, call me what you want. Uh, uh, if I called you something, I had to call myself that because I'm not getting yeah, on the plane right now. Just a little nervous. And so went down, drove down to Kiowa and, and, and played some golf. Played a, a course. It's called the Oceans Course. It's actually where um, uh, the, I think it's the Open, U.S. Open. That, that That's the best part about me. I can it, go somewhere and play. It means a lot to somebody else. And, and it's just I'm, a, it's it's, a golf course to you. It's just a golf course, right? It's just, ah, right. It, it's not just a golf course. It was a time for me to just kind of unplug and change the scenery. Yeah. So when played this this course, the the uh, the ocean course in mm-hmm. Kiowa, and had a unbelievable caddy. So you have to do a caddy. Have to have it. It was walking. Oh, y'all fancy. You got your own man. Caddy? And so um, I'm a golf cart dude myself. Yeah. You uh, the only not way, on this one. Only way, I guess, if it was bad weather or you have a uh, disability, you you yeah. do the do the golf cart. And so we walked, and my caddy was Tyler. Tyler was fire. Tyler okay. was awesome. Helped me out. End up shooting an eighty five. Probably my best round ever. Just oh, had a man. You shot an eighty five. Yes, eighty two. 
And but what was cool about it, I'm a city boy. Mm-hmm. I ain't never seen a gator walking across a fairway. Well, I'm I'm from the country. I ain't never seen a gator doing that either. It was it was casually strolling across the the golf off the green, kind of like seeing a squirrel on the side of the road going up a tree. So he just might, and this this is like a a real live gator. It was probably about ten nine ten feet, <laughs> just strolling across. I got video. What too. was your first reaction? Shh. <laughs> Ooh. Shh. I was like, oh, look. I'm like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, what were you supposed to do? Yeah. It was pretty bad. Like, I I, I wasn't, I'm not going to say because he was far enough, I wasn't scared because I could outrun him. Because I was going to say, it ain't every All day that, to, that brothers actually, just run up on a on an alligator. Like, that I, don't just happen every let day. Let me rephrase it. You know why I wasn't scared? What? Because all I had to do was outrun Tyler ass. That's it. <laughs> and I was going to get him. <laughs> so, like, he's had a chance. He had a chance. He's getting all that smoke. Me or Tyler? Yeah. Tyler God bless go. you, Tyler. Tyler got to go. Hey, <laughs> Tyler wasn't married because he told me. But uh, tell my wife that I love her because <laughs> Tyler have a shot. Tyler gonna be so gator he, food, right? So I hit um, and then I hit, you know, hit into uh, a few uh, water hazards and mm-hmm. hey, gator, we all do, we all do. Gator chomping at the wall, uh, at up at the. Uh, so you hit into the water and you see the gator come out of yep. the water and yep, it's like. Oh, okay. Ball gone. <laughs> right. right? That was probably I, – I hit some bad shots, hit some good shots, but it was literally – that was when your ball went into a hazard or – and actually there, there's no OB. Uh-huh. You, your ball going to a little area, uh-huh. some woods, chalk that up to the game. Because <laughs> they were like grass laid down yeah. so you could see where they were going in. Man, it was it was interesting, bro. It, yeah. was, it was definitely had a good time, but it was uh, v- very much um, different kind of golf. But great course, man. Great Gators course. on the course, though. Yeah. I still can't get over that. Like, I, mean, I just it, can't imagine. Like I'm he just walked, like, I hit into the bunker. I go into the bunker, and then bam, there goes there goes a gator. Yeah, walked, looked at me. What up, Steve? <laughs> what what's up? Po- what's, what's popping, homie? Nothing. Mm-mm. All right. Well, hey. Who is our guest? All right, coming up on the Cut To It podcast, we've got Chase Elliott, the son of NASCAR legend and Hall of Famer Bill Elliott. He's a two-time most popular driver of the year, and he won the All-Star race in July 2020. Chase Elliott. Appreciate y'all having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So our first segment... We call it Get Iced Up. They're random questions. There may be a follow-up, may not be a follow-up. Just depends on how we feel, brother. So, Smitty, when you're ready, uh, give Chase the first question and get iced up. Okay, Chase, are you ready to get iced up? I guess I'm ready as I've ever been. What color childhood bedroom? What color was my childhood bedroom? Man, I don't remember my childhood bedroom. Is that bad? Um, That's your childhood. It's not ours. (laughs) Yeah, I mean that that's true. I feel like uh I feel like it was red blue, like somewhere into into the red and blue category somewhere in there. Okay. I, I I'm not gonna I can't go against your childhood <laughs> colors. I mean your No, I mean I don't I don't know how a man could ever go against another person's childhood memories, you know. If you if you I'm said saying. it was if you said it was like uh a nice rose. Yeah, like if it was like 
Oh. You know, like magenta, it might be a problem. Like yeah. if my bedroom was magenta at, at five, we might have an issue. Or doo-doo brown. <laughs> or doo-doo brown. Doo-doo brown. That is true. Yeah. Dookie brown. The, the Uncle Luke room. Yeah. Okay, let's go. <laughs> let's move on. Um, so I have heard word on the street is you love wedding crashers. Big fan. Big, Big fan. fan. All right. Hit us with one of your favorite lines from Wedding Crashers. Bang, go. Favorite line from Wedding Crashers? That's like asking somebody to pick one favorite song. Um, no, it's not. Know, it's just, it's just pick a line, yeah. dude. It's just pick a line. <laughs> it's just pick a line. Okay. Uh, let's see. There's a part where Vince Vaughn is talking about uh, what, what's the guy's name, the the – older father in that in that movie he's like a senator this or something is, this is your favorite movie <laughs> not mine you've never i know you're talking about i know you're talking about we're just playing dumb though yeah yeah okay, i know okay. i know you're talking about i'm just messing well he, he's giving him a hard time about his daughter you know and he tells him you know she's not just a notch in the old belt and he looks <laughs> at him and he says i don't even wear a belt belt <laughs> i love that that movie is hilarious all right what is something interesting about you that most people do not know I have I have become quite the video game fan, which a lot of people might know that, but um, now, but that's kind of a, I mean, I've always played video games, but since all this stuff has been going on, I have, I have really jumped in and probably played entirely too much <laughs> video games in the past six months. So I'll, I'll go ahead and be honest on that. What's, what are some of those games that you have Wasted countless hours on. Countless hours, yes. Wasted is is also a good a good word. Um, Call of Duty, okay. which I think is is I, I've popular. Been as well. Yeah, absolutely fun. It's like video games are, you know, you talk about your childhood and stuff. Like your parents just absolutely look down on video games so bad as a kid, right? You know, like what are you doing? Wasting your time. And now I feel like it's funny because it seems like the amount of people who play video games, that age bracket is a much larger bracket of people than it used to be. Like older guys, I feel like are into video games more so than, than they used to be. So um, I've really enjoyed it. Been been a lot of fun and, and um, yeah, good way to stay at home you know, and still get online and play with your buddies and, and hang out. So I've, I've, uh, that's been a good outlet for me. If you had a magic wand, what would yep. you make happen? Hmm. What would I make happen? Mm-hmm. How, well, how often can I use it? It's your Ooh, wand, yeah, brother. I, I can't, you. I can't tell you what to do with your wand. It's my wand. Man, that's tough. Um, I feel like I, I I mean, there's a lot of things that I feel like a person would do for a wand, but, you know, I might. um, Hold hold on. Slow slow down, Chase. Hold on now. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, dog. Hold up. Not do for the wand. You already have the wand. You can fix something. Because you're about to go down the path that I think was I'm getting uncomfortable. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I, I was gonna wait three years and then file charges and say I was not feeling very comfortable in this conversation. Not comfortable today on this podcast. Um, man, that's that's tough. I, I feel like uh, you know <clears throat> how about make your car faster? 
Yeah, well, I think it would depend. I mean, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, if it's race day, absolutely, we're going faster. Okay. You know, yeah. if, if it's if it's a, a, a cross country road trip, like I want to get there now. I don't want to, you See, know. Okay. See, you, you, you went most teleporting. You went down the path of what would I do for a wand? Right like, where we, you already got it, buddy. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm just trying to think through what I do, you know, and I feel okay. like that's a that's a tough thing. I feel like it's situational. I mean, it, yep. it, if, if it's my wand and I get to keep it, which you sound, no, no, sounds like it is. It. No, no, no. You just, <laughs> you just, you just holding it for a few hours. Oh, well then I'm going to, I'm going to gift myself more wands to yep, see, keep. Can't do that. Uh, can't do that. We, the whole wish. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Where you, you, you three wishes. Let me get 500 million more wishes. Exactly. Exactly. Well, let's move on then. Let's move on. So, you go by Chase. I do. How did your folks come up with that nickname? That's a good question. Um, so my, my godparents, uh, when I was little, basically, I guess after I was born, at least the story I got, I, I don't really remember it, but um, the story I got was that uh, I, I was, you know, my real name is after my dad. I'm, I'm just the second, um, William Elliot II, but uh, she the just climb? didn't think she just didn't climb? think I looked like a William. So uh, I ended up she's like, you know, he looks like a chase. And for whatever reason that stuck. And I don't I don't know why. But that was a story I got that could be complete BS. <laughs> um, but that's the story I was told at one point in time. So I've just kind of gone with that. At this point, we're going to talk it into reality. Okay, I like it. So you're from Dawsonville, Georgia. Yeah. That's your hometown. It is. Can you walk us down memory lane of what experience experiences you had growing up in Dawsonville, Georgia? And I feel like it, uh, small town USA. I mean, I, I feel like uh, we've lived in, in a couple different, actually a few different towns around North Georgia, but pretty much lived in North Georgia all my life. Minus, minus a couple years. We, um, my, my dad wanted to move to Colorado there at one point when I was about about nine, I guess, nine or ten. We lived out there for two years. But outside of those two years, um, heck, we've, we've kind of lived all around North Georgia. And I feel like my childhood is kind of a combination of, of a, a few different towns around here. Dawsonville certainly being one of them and, and certainly where I live now. Just small town USA. How many stoplights in your hometown? The original part of Dawsonville, there is no stoplight in town. Oh, none. You have you might you have a stop sign. I mean, you know, um, the red one. You have one of those. A red one. But, what uh, color else would it be? <laughs> right. But uh, if you got a yellow stop sign, it's a lot of Yeah, a lot of yielding, less stopping. At least got a Walmart in Lexington now. Well, see, Dawsonville has grown a lot, and Atlanta. Uh, those of you that have been to atlanta atlanta has just absolutely blown up yeah. to the north side of the state hmm. um and dawsonville is like the very north end of the highway that runs into atlanta 400 is the is the road and as da as atlanta has expanded the south side of dawsonville has expanded the actual downtown part of uh, in the, you know in the city limits you're not talking much you're talking a stop sign and a, uh, you know, and that's really about it. 
a couple restaurants and, and a grocery store and, and that's all she wrote, but <laughs> it's, uh, it's grown a lot for it's sure. Your hometown, it yep. And it's something you're proud of, you know, looking at, you know, obviously looking at your dad's stuff, the Elliot family, you know, that Dawsonville is very much connected to you guys. And so how's your hometown impacted and shaped you uh, on your worldviews today? Uh, well, you know, it's, that's a great question because I feel like everybody's views can vary based on where you grow up. Absolutely. And, and, and sometimes that's not, you know, a person's, it might not be a person's choice, but it's, it's what you, it's what you have. It's what you see. It's the views you have put in front of you as a kid. Uh, so I think for me, it's a very, um, you know, in, in some ways, when, when you look at it from like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm from North Georgia and, and it is small town USA. I feel like it is a very standard southern state town and, and on down the road. Uh, but I think what has made my life a little more interesting, I feel like I have been connected with a lot of different people in a lot of different walks of life um, from, you know, following my dad around as a kid racing and, and being able to travel the country now and, and the things I, I was able to see growing up and see the fortune that some people have and the, the misfortune that other people have. I feel like there's just been a very wide variety of people that I've been connected with. Um, and I think a lot of that is, you know, obviously I was fortunate to be able to see a lot of those things, but it certainly makes you appreciate, I think what you have a little more and, and um, I don't really know how else I would have seen that had I not had the opportunities to, to branch out um, and, and see more, you know, from like, I, I often think, you know, my, I grew up in a, in a well-off family, right? So you could easily, you know, go down the, private school route and, and be kind of viewed as, as that, uh, in, in some ways, but I, I don't think that tells the full story of some people. And, and, uh, cause I am a private school kid, um, of what you see and, and what you do or what you don't appreciate. So yeah, just been lucky to see a lot of different walks and, and I feel like, uh, appreciate, appreciate more because of it. Because of your dad, you get a lot of, people that have their uh, their point of view of you. But also, as I was digging through the research and just kind of looking and trying to figure out, you know, what is something that's really intriguing? And the one thing that keeps coming back to me, which is knowing who your dad is, Bill Elliott, and then you're 24 years old, you're doing your thing in NASCAR, mm -hmm. If you can compare the two, growing up, being well off and having success, your dad having success in NASCAR, seeing the difference of how, you know, not the travel because you're a young kid, but how the sport has evolved, you know, financially and just how things go on compared to when your dad was killing it. And now you're in a sport being extremely successful, but it, it definitely, the venue and the and and the the races are a complete event now. That's another great point because you know obviously my my dad and I have have similarities, but you know the I feel like the uh, the way that we have 
the way he grew up when he was a kid and the way that I have grown up are, are certainly very different. I mean, they didn't have much um, as a kid. You know, he, he and his brothers and, and his dad, uh, they, you know, pretty much did it all. Um, and NASCAR was at a place to where they could, you know, build cars on their own and they could go to the junkyard down the road and, and cut parts and pieces off of an old wrecked car that was driving on the street and go build a race car with it. Um, you know, and, and as time evolved, obviously NASCAR grew, uh, dad had a long career and, and was able to, you know, have success over a, over a long period of time. So, um, I'm not sure there's many generations that have seen as much change as, as what he had. I mean, he's, he was born in 55. Um, so from 55, 1955 to, you know, 2020 and to still kind of, to see the NASCAR world evolve through that, I'm not sure anybody will ever see, uh, that much change ever again, which I think is really awesome. I mean, I, I feel like that have to be a great privilege, uh, to, to have seen that, but yeah, I mean, from, from my end, I, I had a much different walk. I mean, he, um, his success, uh, you know, provided a, a very, a very fortunate childhood for me. What age did you start driving a car? Six, seven, eight? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I was, I was seven. I mean, and, it, and even from, that's a good point because, you know, even, even from when I was. Hold on, hold on. I want to yeah, dig you, into this. How do you, you drive, drive at seven? So, Austinville, yeah. they got moonshine and driving at seven years old. Come on, dog. What that's is y'all right. doing down there? That's right. You got to see it to believe it, I guess, I guess. Um, yeah, but no, there's, I mean, that, that's pretty common as, as not as crazy as it might seem, I guess, to, um, to you guys, but yeah, racing go-karts and, and there's a car called quarter midgets and, um, and things that, that you can get into What's a quarter midget. A quarter midget is a How much quarter a oh. size of a bigger car <laughs> that you can step into down the road. Um, but yeah, the kids at five, six, seven years old racing, you know, uh, which at that point, I mean, obviously it's not serious. I mean, uh, it you know, is serious though, because they're behind the you're wheel, behind the wheel <laughs> with a seatbelt, well, the gas pedal. That's, that's, and the steering wheel. I mean, I guess, I guess relatively, you know, as, as the, you know, when as you're a, a kid, dad, that's serious to me. Here I am thinking I'm doing something at Carowinds, just being behind bumper cars. He he's <laughs> racing races. Yeah. How yeah. fast do these quarter midget go? Uh, I mean, they're they're not very fast. I mean, probably, you know, 40 miles an hour, 30, 40 miles an hour. The speed was going to be relative. You seven years old going 40 miles an hour? Like, <laughs> that'll get you yeah. a ticket right. in the school zone. <laughs> it's, it's all well, you, you thought You girl. thought you were flying, for sure. You yeah. thought you were hauling the mail back back then hearing just a little bit of your voice not talking about William yeah how do you as an old school you yeah. seem you don't seem like the time out generation you seem like your pop used to use that belt <laughs> right you, you oh from, I got the belt go pick a switch go yeah, pick a switch, pick a switch. Yeah. so how, how how does an old school legacy family business second generation driver how do they really see the i racers or some of the racers who they're getting into racing virtually where you were 
pushing a car up the hill, down the hill, you know, tr- tr- I'm, I, and I'm just, I'm, I'm being ignorant. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just going to say, put, yeah, you yeah. Know, you're driving without gas, you know, popping the hood, all, yeah, that, all, all of that stuff, you know, getting, becoming really uh, a student of your car versus a student of the technology. Well, I think it's a good point because, you know, I do feel like uh, with, you know, my, my family and kind of how I was raised around the racetrack, uh, I was, you know, kind of pushed to be more hands-on. Now, I'm not sitting here trying to tell you I didn't have nothing. And I do feel like I was kind of fortunate in a new school world to have been around a lot of old school racers in, in a modern time. Um, and I'm very thankful for that. I think I learned a lot of, a lot of great things. Right. And, and to your point, you have some of these guys coming in who are, who are good dudes, but I do think that, uh, it may some, it's going to rub some people the wrong way. Um, to think that, you know, Hey, this guy played video games and now he's getting opportunities at a high level. And I've been down here grinding Hmm. at, at the short track level. Why? and I've spent all this money. Why, why is that? Why, how is that fair? Um, and, and life isn't fair, I guess, uh, in, in general, but it is such a different, it's such a different time. Uh, but I try really hard to keep things simple. I try really hard to, uh, have a bit of a, I guess, old school mindset and approach in, in some ways, uh, in a in a modern time can be can be tough and some people might not like that um but i i feel like that i've just tried to earn the respect of my competitors and and my peers and most of those people around you are much older than than you when 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 you come along when when i came along i I feel like i've grown up around people who are way 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 older than me we have to take a break and more than anything we gotta pay some bills Mm mm-hmm you got check. I love cut to it, and I I love it even more when you download us and subscribe. And you can follow us on social media too, Smitty. Where where at? That's at cut to it on Instagram. What about Twitter? At cut to it. Facebook. Cut to it featuring Steve Smith Senior. What about online? And you can follow us at cut to it podcast.com where you can buy merch and you can subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts i got all my answers questions um yeah i got all my questions answered that's what i'm here for brother cut to it podcast.com hi listener i'm carol fisher the host of the girlfriends our lost sister i'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35 year old mystery But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. 
Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything. A moment that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these very moments. The last couple of years has been the hardest season of our marriage for sure. I'm surprised our marriage survived it. I think we both are. I think we both were barely holding on. Mm. Nothing compares to how hard this is. Their stories are full of candor, awe, and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. True behavior change is really identity change. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. Listen to A Slight Change of Plans on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. With growing up always exposed, being around NASCAR, was there ever a point where you were turned off by it or maybe you didn't want to go into the quote-unquote family business you know to be to be honest I, I really always wanted to race I mean I, I can't really think of a time that that I didn't want to do it um, when I first got started you know I, obviously I was young so at that point I knew it was more of kind of a hobby thing uh, when I got to be and, and y'all are gonna think this is stupid too but when I got to be about 12 or 13 uh i got into full-size cars um and started to race and at that point you know yes i was still young uh did i know everything no uh that i think i did some days yes but uh you know at, at the end of the day i could tell um that things were getting serious and there was money being spent sponsors you know, paying money to be on our car. And, and, you know, obviously we were putting a lot of effort into it. And I feel like I kind of came to this crossroads of like, Hey, you know, there's a lot going into this. I either need to really get serious and, and, uh, go after this, or I need to not and not waste everyone's time and go enjoy being a teenager. Um, and I do feel like I kind of came to those crossroads and were there weekends where my friends were at prom or, or at, you know, middle school dances. And I wish I was there, uh, a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. But at the end of the day, I reminded myself that, man, I'm getting to do things that, that, you know, although the, the other kids don't understand it, um, I'm getting to do things that some people could only dream of. 
And I just always kind of kept that in mind. And my dad had always told me, hey, I can only get you so far um, in, in this deal. And, you know, we either – if we're good enough and, and we run good enough, opportunities may come along. And if, if we don't, then, hey, we're going to – we can go do something else and nobody's going to be mad at anybody for, for any of it. And he's always given me an out. You know, he never, never pushed me to want to, to want to race. He always left it up to me. If I went home, you know, if I went over to his house today and said, hey, I'm done, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore, there would be no, no hard feelings about it. And that was always made very clear. Who was Bill Elliott in your eyes? Uh, I mean, just dad to me, you know. Uh, I mean, I've, he's just been uh, that father figure that, uh, you know, I've been fortunate to have. And, and I, don't, I don't take that for granted. Um, but yeah, just, just dad. I mean, I, it really is as simple as that. I mean, um, you know, his work ethic, I think is incredible. Uh, I mean, heck he's 65, uh, fixing to be 66 and he has more energy, uh, and, and works harder than, than about anybody I know he doesn't quit. So, um, I feel like just his, his uh, those lessons that you learn and, and not, and I feel like uh, it's people like him, you know, that work hard, that uh, you really learn by example. He's not the kind of dad who is going to sit down and tell you this one line of wisdom that's going to just change your life. Um, I've never really been that way. I, I'm not, I'm not sure why, but, I've been more of a learn from example kind of person. Um, and, and I think that there's a lot of qualities there in, in that, that uh, yeah, I've been fortunate to, to watch and, and see over the years. When you were watching your dad race and that's all you knew, where did you watch? He's racing on the weekend and the Friday afternoon before you were learning <laughs> math, right? Sure. So where were you, where were you sitting you know, how did it just take us through what was it like for Chase Elliott to watch? And, and I'm going to use a word that I like to use is, where did you get to watch your pop do his, do his job? I, I had a, about a, a, as much of a front row seat as you could have. I mean, I, as a kid, I don't ever remember watching in the stands or like in a suite or anything I felt like I was always in the garage during the race weekend or on the pit box uh, or somewhere in the pits during during the races um, so I had about as much of a front row view as as you could possibly get uh, and I didn't get to go to all of them you know obviously that that school thing when I could go and, and they would let me go I remember just being right there in in the middle of it I mean it wasn't like I was working on the car uh, but you know I remember just being right there um, in the heart of, of what he had going on and you know I just remembered it, it was such a spectacle right and and obviously NASCAR has, has changed over the years but you know, when I was little, my goodness, I mean, it was like the thing. And um, there was just, in my eyes, there was nothing else, no, nothing else that mattered. You know, my dad was one of the stars of the show. And I just thought that that was just the absolute coolest thing ever. Those moments 
were the ones that I'm like, dang, like I want to do that. We caught a segment called Let's Talk Ball. Let's Talk Ball. And your ball happens to be a car. So yeah. take us through how many people are on your roster for NASCAR. Because in talking ball in NASCAR, I'm Captain Dum Dum. So I need and I'm the co-pilot. You the co-pilot. I need some help in understanding it. And I'm okay with you knowing that I'm Captain Dum Dum and just kind of dumbing it down for us to really let us know what the ins and out of NASCAR. Because I, I I dislike people who act like they know the sport. And then, you know, they're, they're telling you stuff, and you're like, yeah. That's a fake strategy. Yeah, and then you walk away and go, I had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I get that for sure. And I feel like there's, you know, I feel like a lot of people don't understand uh, all of the inner workings that, that make racing kind of go. But I guess to simplify things, there's about 15 guys um, that travel per car every weekend. Hmm. So – about, I would say, nine of those are uh, guys who work on the car. So, you know, mechanics, um, engineers, things of that nature that, 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 you know, put their hands on the car to work it and try to make it go faster. Now, you know, we have this in sports and in life. You know, you guys, you got 15 guys, but you got some guys, you know, damn well, you don't want them touching nothing. <laughs> well, well, and, and let, let me, let, let me finish the rest. <laughs> it, it'll, it'll make more sense. So you have that, those guys, right. And those are the one, you know, those are really the guys who, who make things go at the track. And then you have the five or six, uh, the, the rules have kind of varied that, and they're, they're limiting the amount of picker members you can have. Um, but now you have the rest of that is your pit crew members who perform pit stops. The rest those, of that, so you got 15. Yes. Yeah, so, so you have, uh, I think, I think now there are five members of, of the guys who go over the wall. There, there's five people who go over the wall to service guys, the car. Yes, guys, all that. Yeah. So, the, the pit crew members. Yeah. So the, I, I'm just going to ask a dumb one. <laughs> Is the gas a guy? Like, is, do you guys do you try out for that? Like, do you go to school for that? Or do you? How do I fill that out on a job application? I don't do tires. <laughs> I don't do brakes. But they look for a lot of athletes, though. I know. Well, but this I is, just want to do the where gas. I was going. Yeah, I, I wasn't going to say you're thunder, Chase. Yeah, I know. Yeah, th this is where I'm going with this because uh, those those six guys, five or six guys who who go over the wall. Um, they're, you know, played football or, you know, were, were serious athletes in college who, you know, might have not made it pro or whatever it is. And they have transformed them into pit crew members to perform these 12 second pit stops. You use the word transform. Yeah. <laughs> How do you transform for going across the middle to changing tires? Like, I, I, I'm, I'm believing it is a different. I know, different obviously, movement. it's a different movement, motor skill, but, you know, it, it, I'm not going to say it's not, a, 
it's not a skill or technique because it is. I mean, our they brother train. ain't changed a tire ever in his life. I, yeah. That's why I got AAA and I got all the other things because if we are stuck, yeah. like I see all those guys that do it and they do it at such a high level. They do it fast. It's, it's amazing, but also scary because they also have uh, protective wear on, you know, protective gear. So that means they also can be injured and they can be lit on fire. Like there's a lot of different, it ain't like, Oh, you know, don't put your hand on the, don't put your hand on the, on the heated oven glass. Like you can lose a finger um, doing some of that stuff. Yeah, you absolutely can. I mean, and that, I mean, going over the wall is a hundred percent a very risky thing, not to mention, you know, yes, you can hurt yourself on the car you're working on, but there's also 39 other cars going up and down pit road. There's cars parked, you know, coming in their pit box behind you, in front of you. There's a lot going on uh, from from that. But, yeah, these guys are, are amazing. I mean, to be able and, and perform that type of a pit stop at that amount of time you know, you're talking changing four tires and filling a car up with gas in 12 seconds. That's now you you go figure me that one because it's it's honestly nuts. Are there any unwritten rules in NASCAR? It depends on the person. You know, I feel like some people are more, uh, you know, um, get their feelings hurt more easily than others. So the person you know a person who gets their feelings hurt probably has a bigger rule book than someone who doesn't but i feel like that's pretty you know i mean they're i feel like in football you watch people who get really some guys are easily agitated more than others so i feel like that's similar to similar to other sports as well why why is it in nascar when all else fails you just ram somebody into the wall. Well, typically that Why is because... Why are you because... smiling as you answer that, too? He was <laughs> smiling. Him. Oh, 100%. 100%. Because... Smile. Thank you. Thank typically, you typically, if a guy gets crashed, like blatantly wrecked, you know, not, not a mistake, like, hey, I messed up, we crashed, uh, there was something that was warranted for that a lot of times. Um, give, us a, give us not including yourself what w- give us a good example remember we i you know the closest i get to nascar and and, and ramming somebody intentionally intentionally that's considered against the law that is that's how you get a case road rage yeah that's, that's so what what do you what do you mean you give what you get uh or you get what you give and and racing like you know, if a guy runs you over or, you know, wrecks you a yep. week before um, and you're <laughs> and the shoe is on the other foot uh, down the road, I think you fully expect to get that back. And I think you have to, you know, I think you have to you have to think about those those scenarios. But, you know, especially when you're racing for a race win, you know, if a guy just blatantly takes you out or or. Uh, and then, but not, not just if a guy completely takes you out, but Hey, if you're racing for a win, a guy moves you out of the way. Um, he didn't wreck you, but he, he put the bumper to you to pass you. I think a hundred percent, he can expect that back. Um, and that's just hard racing. You get what you give. 
and most most all the guys in in racing are going to race you how you race them and uh i, I think that's a one of those unwritten rules but it you know it, it's pretty well understood you know most guys are most guys are going to treat you how, how you treat them uh, for the most part. And that's, you know, completely fine. How do you get into race mode? What, what gets you pumped up for a race? What motivates you? It's so hard to, um, because, you know, I'm trying to relate it. Like, I feel like when you guys are getting dressed ready for a football game, like you're in the locker room, the next thing you do is you go out in the field and, and you're ready to go get after it. Uh, whereas for us, you know, when I suit up and I'm getting ready to change and, and, you know, get ready to walk out to the car, we're, we still have, you know, driver introductions and you might still have to take pictures with sponsors um, or shake hands and be nice to people where in reality, I, I don't really want to talk to anyone. <laughs> um, and I think that's very fair, you know, as a, from a competitor standpoint, but NASCAR is just a different dynamic. Yeah. And it makes it really hard to get in that mode. So for me, um, I feel like I don't really lock in until I get in the car on, yeah. on, on race day. And the reason for that is, is because I can't, you, you know, smile and, 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 you know, say thanks to the people that, that are making all this go. Um, but then when you get in the car and you put your helmet on, I feel like that's really the time where you, where you really lock in and, um, start dialing in those those small details that you've been looking at and and uh studying or or the practice the day before what we changed and get ready to go what's one of the biggest myths that's total bs as uh, you know <laughs> as being a driver i don't know about what the biggest myth is but i feel like one of the biggest questions for non-nascar fans is what do you have to do when you have to go to the bathroom feel like that is just the number one thing that everyone always wants to talk about, about NASCAR, right? I know you're wondering. Don't lie. <laughs> I wasn't going to lie. I already asked one before, yeah. so I knew the answer. He basically uh, told me he tinkles on himself. Do you? Well, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know who you talk to, but I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that one. In other words, I try not to. It, it, I tell you I what, try I not to. <laughs> It tells us everything we need to know, Chase. That tells us everything. It, it, it is going to be a, you know, a tough gig the day that, that a man has to tinkle on themselves. I have been very fortunate to not have to cross that bridge yet. But, uh, well, yeah, okay. you, I mean, you, it's, you, you, I mean, you know this. Like, during a football game, you don't have to go to the bathroom. You don't have to pee. <laughs> you said yeah. you don't. <laughs> you don't. You sweat, you right? Have, you know how much liquid I drink? <laughs> Right, but you're not sweating it. You're not sweating too. Yes, I've I've used the bathroom several times. Really, that is super have, surprising. To me. I have not used the bathroom. Also, on yourself. On that's a dis. No, that's a whole I different conversation. I, uh, uh, yeah. Nah. <laughs> now I have played with a teammate that has gotten hit so hard that he. No. Yep. We call him King. Because <laughs> his last name was King. And uh, so and he and he it wasn't as bad. Here's what happened. Here's yeah, what go there. Okay, here's what happened. Chase, you ready? Buckle up. Oh, I, listen, since we're down this road, please. Yes. All right. So we're in two. I think we're playing against we're playing against New Orleans Saints. Okay. And Jake Long's quarterback, uh, Jeff King's a tight end who's now a really good scout for 
uh, the Chicago Bears. He probably needs to be looking at a new quarterback. Anyway, we're going uh, moving forward. So uh, we ran a we run a route, and he runs a deep angle, which is a post uh, a, a corner, and Jake threads the needle and throws it, and I believe Roman Harper, who lives currently now in Charlotte, mm-hmm. uh, hit him, and we go back to the huddle, and it was I mean he got hit pretty hard okay. we go back to the huddle and everybody's kind of looking it's like you smell that? and jake says king i'm sorry and jeff goes bro i he sharted i shit almost <laughs> and we're like excuse me but what did jake do uh, we kept feeding him because they didn't want to tackle him <laughs> right so they're throwing a ball to 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 king Shh. And he's catching it, and we end up getting a position ourselves, getting a field goal, uh, going into half, and then he changed his pants at halftime. <laughs> it was pretty bad. So yeah, it does happen. Now myself, I've went to use the bathroom several times. I peed on the sideline in a cup, in the Gatorade cup, and then discarded. I just I'm blown away. I I, I honestly <laughs> and, and this away, is huh? my, and excuse my ignorance, but I'll be honest. I honestly did not think that. Y'all even had to go or even worried about going to the bathroom. Like, I just assumed, hey, we don't. Like, no. I know. Uh-uh. Like, I know when I get in the car, yep. like, going to the bathroom is not an option. Like, don't even consider it. So, I just assumed that it would be the same. I think it's about that time. Just uh, take a little breather. Come back. We have to pay some bills. Um, I have to use the bathroom. Good do it. Good do it. Let's get down to it. Hey, Gerard, where did you get that T-shirt? You mean this thing? Oh, yes. I got it from CutToItPodcast.com, where we have exclusive merchandise. Shout out to our guys at 704 Shop. But yeah, you can go on, buy you a T-shirt, subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. 
So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything. A moment that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these very moments. The last couple of years has been the hardest season of our marriage for sure. I'm surprised our marriage survived it. I think we both are. I think we both were barely holding on. Mm. Nothing compares to how hard this is. Their stories are full of candor, awe, and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. True behavior change is really identity change. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. Listen to A Slight Change of Plans on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our last segment that we like to close out on is called The Deep Three. And basically what this is, is three questions that we'll ask you that basically goes behind uh, your, your suit, you being behind the car, behind your helmet, and just getting to know you at a deeper level. So, Smitty, go ahead and give the first question. You ready? Hell, I guess. Okay. <laughs> that sounds serious. It is. It is. Let's what do it. do you want them to say about William Clyde Elliott II? Yeah, that that's a good. I mean, that's a good question. I feel like from from a racing perspective, I mean, I, everybody wants to be the best, right? Like that's a that's an easy answer. But I think for me, um, probably probably two things. Uh, one, certainly, just want to be known as as a racer. Like I, I just want to be known as you know when I show up at the racetrack, I'm there for for one job you know I'm not I'm not there to be the loudest guy in the room or there to to you know make friends I I want to I want to do my job but I think more so centered for right now too and and this is a goal that I have currently um, that I would love to leave with is I want to get to the point where I personally and we as a team have a shot to win every week and that doesn't mean you're going to have the most race wins. That doesn't mean you're going to have the most championships. But I want to be a guy who, who can win at any racetrack on the schedule, big track, small track, road course. I just want to have, I want to have that ability to be good at all of them. Um, and I want to be known as a guy that, that can win anywhere at any time. And uh, that, that's where I want to get. That's my, that's my current vision that that's what I want to achieve. Um, and that, that's what I'd love to be known as, is, is a guy who can do that because there are guys who do that now that, that run good everywhere. Um, that are threats to win, win a race any, any given time. Um, and I think that's a, I think that's really in my eyes currently, I think that's, that's a big deal. And really, I think all a, all a racer can ask for is to have that ability. And that's what I want to be known as. What makes you so proud to carry on your dad's legacy? 
Um, well, I think for, for one, you know, just carrying on the name, I guess, in racing, you know, he, um, he and his, he and his family made it, made it popular and, and they made it successful. And I think that, I think the family aspect of knowing, you know, my dad wasn't just on his own, uh, you know, his brothers had a big time involvement. In, in his career and in, in their success. So I think just kind of knowing the family history to it and how involved their, their family was and how that was the key to their success. Um, although it's a different time and, and, you know, they're not hands-on making cars go fast for me. Uh, I think knowing the, the family history certainly pushes me to want to, um, keep that family name or keep their name kind of around in racing because I think it belongs. I like that. Last one. One day you have your own child, son or daughter. What do you want to leave them with? Man, that's tough. That's tough for, for a guy who does not have kids. Um, because you hear often, you know, I feel like I have friends who have had kids and, and, you know, you can see it from the outside and they'll tell you that their life has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a really tough question. And I honestly, not to, not to shrug it off or to, um, you know, ignore it, but I just don't know that I can answer that until you have one. That's, that, a, good, that, that's a tough that's thing. Answer. I feel like that's a great answer. Well, Chase, um, we really appreciate you taking your time and, and, and sitting down and amusing us. Yeah, man, that was fun. And also just schooling us. And I think we, we, we taught you some things. Um, you know, living here in Charlotte all the years that I've lived here, which is funny as I've lived here 19 years now, um, there's so much about Charlotte and all the different sports that I'm still learning 41 years old, you're 24, 25 years old, and you have so much life to live and learn and embrace. And so am I. And the one word, um, there's a few words though, but the one word that as we sat down and talked is, uh, I can hear your voice. I can hear how you talk about your family, how you talk about, uh, the way you grew up, even we, we didn't even talk about some of the things like how you had a pilot's, you have a <laughs> pilot's license and, and word on the street is that you also got a runway down there at Dawsonville, Georgia. <laughs> so you get in and out. But the one word that I really, um, that kind of stands out for me is gratefulness. Mm. And you are so grateful for your pop, but you also relish the relationship that you have with your dad and you you know um, not a lot of people have that I have that with my son but I don't have it with my actual father and you do and so um, I can hear your voice man so thank you for giving us just a little peek into the Elliott family of greatness yeah man I appreciate y'all having me and um Certainly, like you mentioned, I learned learned some things on my end, and and I appreciate y'all's uh, willingness to learn more about racing and um, and about me personally. And 
hope sometime down the road our paths will cross and we can uh, we can meet up and try to learn some more. All right. Well, appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, listen, if you got us on our pit crew, on your pit crew, it can't be a real race because I know <laughs> Heck no. I, I know Gerard's going to screw something up. Why are you going to put it on me? Well, I definitely don't want y'all to screw something up because I'm I'm the one that's driving it, so it's yeah. gonna hurt. It's gonna hurt more me than it is you, probably. Yeah, yeah we ain't trying to hurt your point standing for sure. Well, I don't want that either. So <laughs> hey, this is my son Peyton, and we're gonna go over. Let's go over. Uh, you were a ball boy when I was with the Panthers. What was that experience like being on the sideline with me? Um, I mean, it's probably one of the coolest things I've done for sure. Um, just getting to be, I mean, being a kid who likes football, being on the sideline watching games, obviously that's exciting. But then also being close to you. Um, I didn't really get much much love down there, but being close to you was cool. Getting to watch you interact <laughs> with your team and be on the field and stuff was awesome. Why didn't you get much love? Walk us through that. That might be something you have to answer. I don't know. But um, – I mean, you just go into game mode, and it's just a, a different animal out there. What is game mode? No friends. No friends. <laughs> no family. So we sit, <laughs> we're sitting on the sideline right before the game. We had a little routine. Uh, walk us through that routine. Um, I mean, we were kind of just like before the game and pregame, like when no jerseys, all that stuff. We just warming up, get there eleven o'clock. You got there probably uh, eight o'clock. Get there at the, uh, eight o'clock a.m. Then I get there about 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And side notice, I used to actually go to church before the game. So I had a little gig where I, they would take me in the back where I'd go to church and uh, I would tithe before. So I would leave uh, before the tithing at the end. So I'd go to church, go to the game. And then we'd, you know, we do pregame and I'd do my routine, come out of the tunnel, angry Steve. We sitting on the sideline. We do they do the national anthem. They about to do the kickoff, and we sitting on the sideline. And right before we would always little do a little fist pound. Walk us through what you experienced and what happened during the fist pound of me coming out of the stadium doing the fist pound. Yeah, so they come out of the tunnel. Sometimes he'd get an out. Sometimes he'd just be on the sideline. And then right after he would go out for the captains for the coin toss, and then he'd come back. And I was usually behind like the water cooler, so I'd go over where he was sitting on the bench to go dap him up. And it was kind of one of those, like, he would turn his head away and then dap me up, kind of like, I don't want to do this, but you're my son, so I don't have a choice. And then dap me up. So I would look away? Yeah. You kind of just, like, turn your head the other way and dap me up. And how did that make you feel? I mean, I just thought it was kind of funny. I mean, I was never really, like, bothered by it because I was like, I know he's in game mode. Yeah. But sometimes I was like, dang, I'm really just one of the bubbles. (laughs) (laughs) What... Did you experience as being a ball boy on the sideline and your dad is playing pretty prominent figurehead or interactive or being heavily involved in the game and and you watching some of that stuff like what what did you learn about what did you learn about me that you're crazy <laughs> okay other than that I was crazy um, I mean, I learned that you're very invested in the games. Like, even if you're not on the field, you're watching and you're coaching. And I could see that you knew a lot about the game apart from playing receiver. Like, I've seen you talking to running backs. You've talked to DBs. So you're just 
always trying to be there and kind of coach people and help people. And, um, I mean, you're definitely like a leader on the field and people would turn to you. Like if it was a close game or we were down, people would turn to you for that answer, the solution or the energy. So I think it was cool to see like how much of an impact you had on people on the field, but then also like the, everyone in the crowd was looking up to you, but also it was clear that your teammates looked up to you as well. Mm. And I thought that was cool. I appreciate that. One of the coolest things, one of the biggest fears, though, in that is in those big moments, having to be that answer, I always struggled with that because I didn't want to let my teammates down. And the bigger part, also having my boy on the sideline, I didn't want him to see that daddy actually failed, that dad was not that superhero that I thought I was. So that was always um, something I tried to make sure didn't didn't happen. And, you know, playing in Carolina, playing in Baltimore was really cool is I had the unique opportunity that both of my boys or my oldest two boys got to see dad play. The only part that makes me tear up is my youngest never gets that experience that his other two had. And... That that that's that's the part that sucks. Even to this day, um, Deuce says at times, "Daddy, when we going through the tunnel?" Because when we lived in Baltimore, it was the tunnel, the McHenry Tunnel. We and he loved going through the tunnel and just experiencing going through a tunnel. Especially living in Charlotte, there are no tunnels. You're you, you going underwater and coming out, and there's a different part of the city. He got to experience that, and so. Um, but he didn't get the full experience that his two older brothers got. So that's pre- that's pretty cool. Um, and that's the one thing I think that really, when I think go back and look at my football career, it does, that's the only part that saddens me, is that he doesn't get to experience that. So, but that's it. So appreciate you listening to Cut To It. Appreciate you uh, sitting in on the father and son conversation. Um not a lot of people get to experience that. And I get to one of the greatest gifts I have gotten playing football, but also I've gotten now doing this podcast cut to it, is my son is also part of um, the media team. And so one of the things as I've grown up and become older is realizing you can own a business or you can work for a business. But only in a business you give the opportunity to change people's perspective. They're just allowing into ascend or descend. And I get to have a podcast that I'm thankful for iHeartRadio, uh, Black Effect, uh, Baltic Creative Media, um, to be able to do all that stuff. And then at the end of it, I get to talk to athletes, but my son is right next to me. also get to work with some of my best friends as well. Um, but working with my son is pretty cool. And the coolest part is uh, Joe Fussy is our booking agent and Gerard Littlejohn co-host. But Gerard Littlejohn and Joe are in charge of Peyton. I'm not his boss. I just get to be his dad. And that's the part where it keeps it clean and it keeps us fun. So um, I hope you enjoy uh, listening to us, continue to uh, download and hear us and understand that um, without you, uh, 
we don't really get to do the things that we do. Um, but if you decide not to download us, we'll still keep doing what we do. Appreciate it. God bless. Cut to it with Steve Smith Sr. That is me is a production of Cut To It LLC, Balto Creative Media, The Black Effect, and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From Cut To It, executive producer Steve Smith Sr., co-host Gerard Littlejohn, talent and booking manager Joe Fushi, social media manager Peyton Smith, from Balto Creative Media. Cut to it is produced by Brian Baltashevich and Meredith Carter with production assistance by Alex Lebrecht. Production manager Sarah Pollock. Theme music by Alex Johnson. Lyrics and vocals by Anthony Hamilton. If you ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. It's on. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 